You're listening to Public Safety First, a podcast to help you learn about the First Responder Network Authority and how you can be part of the future of public safety technology. And now, your host, Dave Buchanan. Welcome to the Public Safety First podcast. I'm delighted to be here today with you in the first episode I had a chance to record here in 2019. I'm grateful for the opportunity we had to begin this podcast series last year, where we had 16 episodes where we heard from first responders from around the country about how they're using FirstNet, uh, how they hope to use FirstNet, and learning some best practices and use cases from those that are putting putting to use uh, this new technology to improve public safety in their communities. Glad to be joined today by Bill Schreier. Bill Schreier is a member of our uh, FirstNet public safety advocacy team where he's a senior advisor responsible for working with public safety to understand their technological and operational needs, uh, to be able to connect their operational needs to existing technologies, and to work uh, with industry to promote innovations to solve public safety's operational challenges. Welcome to the podcast, Bill. Thank you, Dave. Glad to be here. So, Bill, I wanted to start, I know you just came back uh, from Las Vegas from the Consumer Electronics Show, where uh, FirstNet had a chance to participate in a number of sessions and panels. Uh, can you t- talk a little bit about what we did there and what your role was? Exactly. So, there's a couple of things that we did at CES. One of them was we, the FirstNet Authority, actually had a booth, and we had uh, both industry representatives and a few public safety representatives come by the booth and talk about how they're using FirstNet or what their products might be. But we also went out around to uh, particular vendors' booths or industry booths. Um, Lots of times these were consumer technologies or business or commercial technologies that might have a public safety application And we talked to the industry folks there and talked to them about the potential uses in public safety by firefighters, uh, law enforcement, um, or medics. And how would you describe um, sort of their knowledge of, interest in, and potential enthusiasm for FirstNet? For the people that came by the booth, there was a lot of uh, interest and knowledge. Uh, Some of them explicitly came by the booth because they saw that uh, there was a FirstNet booth and they had heard of FirstNet and they wanted to um, come out and uh, talk to us. Even when we came out and talked to companies that primarily had a consumer product or an industry product, many of them had also heard of FirstNet. Um, Partially that's because there's been so much adoption of FirstNet, and partially it's because of the great work that the FirstNet Authority has done uh, advertising the availability of FirstNet. So what was the uh, most interesting technology that you saw? What was the thing you got to see that you thought would be most meaningful uh, in the public safety marketplace? (laughs) <laughs> That's a difficult one, Dave, because uh, there were a lot, a lot of interesting technologies. Uh, I'll actually ma- mention a couple. One of them was uh, sensors. And when I say sensors, we're talking about sensors that sniff the air. Um, I did see um, a set of products that of really tiny chips, chips smaller than your, your uh, uh, fingernail, for example, Um, that would detect up to 13 different compounds in the air. Now, this is a product that's actually being used today in the oil and gas industry to detect emissions from uh, refineries, for example. Uh, But it's also being mounted on drones, on unpiloted or unmanned aerial vehicles that are flying around with the sensors to, to sniff the air. Lots of potential use 
for that in first net in in firefighting and in, in hazardous materials because firefighters uh, work around hazardous materials and gases all the time but typically there's no easy way to to detect or connect them another interesting technology that I saw in several different booths is video analytics. So there are lots of cameras that are in industry today. There are video surveillance cameras, there are body-worn video cameras from multiple manufacturers being used, for example, in law enforcement. There's dash cams that are used in uh, both fire uh, apparatus and law, uh, law enforcement vehicles, but also in commercial vehicles as well. But all this video, if you want to make sense of it, You've actually got to look at it. Some human beings got to look at it. Increasingly, we're seeing video analytics where that video is being automatically scanned and objects are being detected. Um, the objects might be, is that a dog or a cat or a human being? Or, or the object might be a backpack that's alone on a street. Um, and is it really a backpack or is it a garbage can or what is it? It, it, it might be an object that could be classified as a weapon. So with video analytics and to some extent audio analytics, we're actually seeing how um, these things can be recognized and brought to the attention of a human being uh, for analysis and potential action. Bill, I want to talk a little bit about the work you get to do out in the field. Um, your background, because you came to FirstNet three years ago, you're a former law enforcement officer, you've been a CIO at the local level and at the state level. Um, and so you've, I think you're in a great position with a great background to help us connect with first responders about their operational and technological needs. Let's talk a little bit about the work you have been doing um, in, in understanding those operational needs of, of various first responder disciplines. Let's start with law enforcement, if we can. Uh, to talk about the work you've done with the law enforcement community. If you could share with us what you're seeing um, as some of the most pressing technological needs for the law enforcement community and how are, again, law enforcement operations going to improve or could they improve through the adoption of FirstNet? Great question, Dave. And I'll pick up on this theme again of video analytics and audio analytics. One thing that we're seeing in large cities especially is uh, acoustic detection of gunshots where there are microphones that are out in a neighborhood or community that are detecting gunshots and then automatically connecting to cameras which swing around and try to detect the source of those gunshots. But we're also seeing more things that could occur in law enforcement that have to do with uh, an Alexa or Siri type capability, that is voice recognition. You and I heard at the International Association of Chiefs of Police Conference um, law enforcement professionals talking about the benefits of dictation services as well. So officers that now have to stop what they're doing to type in a report or write up a report to be able to use dictation services. I, I know you and I heard firsthand how beneficial that's going to be in, in the places where they've begun testing it and using it in certain areas. Absolutely. In fact, when I was chief information officer for the Seattle Police Department, we had a lot of officers who spent an inordinate amount of time in the precinct house typing reports. Now, they didn't want to type reports on a mobile data computer in a vehicle because then they would have to look down, which means they were not aware of their surroundings. So they went back to a, a precinct uh, station to actually type the reports. The best way to get more cops on the street is to allow them to dictate reports 
in a car using audio or dictate to their body-worn video rather than going back inside into a precinct house and typing them on a computer. Bill, what are we hearing from law enforcement on video? You, you mentioned body-worn cameras. We talked about you talked about sort of video integration with the gunshot technology. Uh, what, what what are sort of your your cop on the street? What's their sort of general uh, attitude about this technology? And what what do we see here for the the future of policing as it relates to video? One of the things that we're seeing with police officers with body-worn video, for example, is They'll engage residents and that conversations with residents or a complainant or a victim might be recorded, which makes it a lot easier to remember the details uh, of what the statement is uh, or the conversation is. We've also seen in places like the Pullman, Washington Police Department. Pullman is the home of Washington State University. Police officers have started to walk around the scenes of auto accidents, serious collisions where there's been an injury or burglaries or other crimes and dictate what they're seeing. Again, we're seeing a lot more detail to particular reports. We're also seeing in major police departments, Chicago as an example, Philadelphia, New York City or Detroit, where video cameras, video surveillance cameras, both owned by the city and owned by private companies, uh, are being um, linked together to improve the safety in certain neighborhoods. Detroit, for example, has Project Greenlight, where in convenience stores that are often robbed, the video cameras can be hooked up to the police department, and there's a, there's a sign right in the convenience store that the police department is able to observe uh, anything that's going on in that store and, and therefore prevent uh, robberies. Let's move on to uh, the fire services profession. Bill, what are we, same, same question, what, what are we learning about their uh, fire services operations what are they challenged by today that potentially FirstNet and other advanced technologies could help them with? Well, I think a significant part of this is probably the devices that they wear. And on previous podcasts, you've heard from uh, fire chiefs about things like their self-contained breathing apparatus, the air tank on their back, and how that has a, an audio alert if it gets low on air or a device that if a firefighter is prone on the floor for a period of time, say 30 seconds or more, that will actually alert the firefighter or alert uh, nearby firefighters. Those sorts of devices, plus the hazardous material sensors, could actually be on firefighters in the uh, network to the incident commander or network to a safety officer outside the uh, fire scene. And with that uh, sort of networking, an incident commander or a safety officer could detect if, for example, a firefighter is becoming fatigued because biometrics, um, the biometrics on the officer could detect that, could detect if the officer is running out of air or if the officer has entered a hazardous material zone because certain sorts of gases are present. So there's some interesting things going on in the emergency medical services profession as well. And I'll go back to uh, voice recognition as one. Most states have a protocol for handling certain sorts of emergency medical um, incidents. So if someone is found, for example, uh, unconscious on the floor and but breathing, there are a certain set of tests that medics will run through. And the states or local emergency medical services have a protocol, a list of things that medics should do. Those things can be activated via voice if they're 
properly recorded. You could actually ask your smartphone, for example, what's the proper medical procedure or what's the proper dosage for uh, this particular medical condition? Or what are the tests for stroke? What tests should I perform? I suspect this patient is having a stroke. So again, voice activation and voice activation of the protocols, I think, is an interesting thing going on with uh, the emergency medical services. That, of course, is totally enabled by FirstNet because the protocols are stored on a remote server and you need FirstNet or you need an LTE network to actually do the voice activation. Our colleague Brent Williams is our subject matter expert for all things EMS. He's a He's got a long history in the profession. I know he travels around the country engaging with EMS professionals, and it reminds me how valuable it is to continue this conversation with him, and we'll have a future podcast with Brent to talk about what he's doing in that field specifically. Bill, I saw the video recording from your CES panel where you talked about, I know topics came up around the PSAPs, and the future of 911 um, with respect to this technology. Um, and we also talked about disasters um, and how those responsible emergency managers and others uh, who are responsible for managing those crises have, have used technology and FirstNet. Um, can, can you talk about those um, two areas um, as we continue this conversation? Certainly, Dave. So first of all, I'd like to address elected officials. And when I say, say elected officials, I'm talking about mayors and city councils and county commissions uh, and, and others who approve the budgets for their public safety, uh, police and fire departments. Every elected official should make sure that first responders have smartphones. A smartphone today, but especially in the future, is just as basic a tool as a gun is to a police officer or a self-contained breathing apparatus is for a firefighter. Smartphones are the key to enabling a lot of these technologies, a lot of these capabilities, and mayors and city councils need to approve budgets to get smartphones into the hands of first responders. And there's multiple examples of that. Um, for example, in the law enforcement profession, digital evidence collection. Many times police officers carried a digital camera or firefighters who were doing arson investigations carried a digital camera to record evidence. With a smartphone, you can now do that with a smartphone. You can upload it to the cloud for later analysis. That, that's di digital evidence collection uh, via the smartphone. Also, smartphones allow alerts. So for example, here in Seattle, we oftentimes see broadcasts of lost ch children, uh, a, a child who has not returned home from school, or an elderly person with dementia who's wandered away from home. The key to solving issues like that is getting the photograph of the child or the photograph uh, of the elderly person out to first responders as rapidly as possible. Again, if you're a police officer on foot or on bicycle or even in a vehicle, Having a smartphone to be able to receive images like that and be able to help people out uh, is the key to uh, rapid response and, and rapidly uh, finding these people and returning them. So, Bill, uh, as you travel around the country and you're talking to first responders almost every day, if not every day, uh, what, what are you hearing that they're um, most interested in with respect to our, our current technology at FirstNet? 
So when I talk to first responders around the country, the first thing they're primarily interested in with uh, FirstNet is still voice. They still need to make cell phone calls. They need to call witnesses, uh, especially if they're a detective. They need to call back to the dispatch center. Um, so, so voice activation on a, a FirstNet-enabled phone is still a key capability, as is push-to-talk. Many officers, especially if they are on a SWAT team, for example, or they're uh, uh, an incident commander or a, a part of the command staff of a fire or police department, don't want to carry a large, bulky radio all the time. So they're interested in having a smartphone with an application that actually connects to their land mobile radio system uh, that would allow them to stay in constant touch with the firefighters, police officers, and medics under their command. So I still see those two when I, when I talk to uh, individual first responders uh, as key technologies. But another interesting thing is just the uh, location-based services. So you're dispatched uh, on the computer-aided dispatch system, you're dispatched the details of a call uh, that oftentimes include who you're supposed to talk to and the nature of the call. If all you've got is a mobile data computer in your police vehicle or your fire apparatus and you walk away from that police vehicle or obviously from the fire apparatus to go to a call, all that detail is lost. So having a smartphone or a tablet computer, FirstNet connected, that has all the details of the computer-aided dispatch call that you can see when you're actually on the scene and even respond to, even, even type a response to the call is another capability that... Uh, police officers, firefighters, and medics are are looking forward to with FirstNet. In your career, you've been a law enforcement officer. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into policing? I finished some graduate work at the University of Wisconsin in Madison. I had been in teaching. I taught a year, year of high school, and I was hoping to get back into teaching. However, I was facing uh, six months of active duty as a reserve army officer. So most schools didn't want to hire me, uh, but police departments were interested in, in hiring and they didn't care. They actually looked forward to military background and experience. So I applied at a couple of police departments, including a police department where I went to college, Dubuque, Iowa. So when I was a police officer in Dubuque, Iowa, this was before handheld radios really came into being. Uh, so we had a radio in the police vehicle, but once I stepped out of the police vehicle, I, I no longer had connectivity. I depended upon citizens and residents in Dubuque, if I got into trouble, to actually make a call to 911 and say, there's an officer in trouble. So I was really happy when handheld radios became available for police officers, and I was able to uh, actually take the radio with me when I walked. Smartphones are now the same way. Um, in terms of the data that's in police vehicles, the data that you get in a mobile data computer, your ability to query databases, having that smartphone as a police officer is, is just like the handheld radio was to me when I was a cop in Dubuque. It's a lifeline. How did you find your way to technology and your, your career as a CIO? Well, I started out at the city of Seattle. I actually was an IBM mainframe systems programmer and um, applied for some management positions, became a supervisor. And then back in the 1990s, I took over management of the telecommunications function at the city of Seattle. This included a 
data network that connected computers in the city. It included a, the telephone network, 10,000 lines of service, but it also included the land mobile radio network that served the Seattle Police and the Seattle Fire Departments with more than 5,000 handheld and vehicle-mounted radios. And I found that fascinating, especially since I was a former law enforcement officer. We implemented a new trunked radio system in Seattle in the 1990s. The trunked radio systems operated quite differently from the old analog land mobile radio systems. And I got very heavily into the details, the technical details of how they worked to, to ex be able to explain those to the police and firefighters, but also the police and firefighter unions uh, who are concerned about the differences between trunked and analog radios. When you're the chief technology officer for the city of Seattle, um, what, what happened there? Or what, what got you most interested in, in, in FirstNet? There are two things here, Dave. So first of all, I headed the Department of Information Technology and ran the land mobile radio system in Seattle. This was back in 2008, 2009. Our police chief was Gil Kerlikowski. And Gil was the chief of police, but he was also the president of the major city police chiefs, an organization that still exists today. Harlan McEwen had spoken to the major city police chiefs about the potential for a broadband network in 700 megahertz. Gill asked me to get involved with that effort because he saw the potential for a future broadband network. And for those of you who might know, Gil Kurlikowski, after he left the job as police chief of the city of Seattle, became commissioner of the Customs and Border Protection uh, for the federal government. So that's how I first got involved with FirstNet. And then I worked with, with people like Harlan McEwen and Jeff Johnson, Chief Jeff Johnson for the Fire Service, and Chief Chuck Dowd from the Police Service, and then uh, the Association of Public Safety Communications Officials, the association that represents 911 centers nationwide, to advocate in Congress for the law that created FirstNet. So I'm glad to hear about your law enforcement background in Dubuque, and uh, talk a little bit more about what that was like. What, what, what concerned you about doing that job? I know you were early on in your career. What was your fears about doing the job at that time? So I'd say one of the calls that I most feared getting was a call for a disturbance or a domestic violence um, in a house or in a home. And, and the reason I feared that is because you never exactly knew as a police officer, and police officers today still don't, what exactly you're going to encounter. It might be a domestic disturbance between spouses. It might be um, with, with kids involved where a teenager was getting out of control. It might be two brothers who were fighting with each other. You just never knew. And I think one of the things that FirstNet holds the potential for is being able to give a lot more information to police officers going on to calls like that. At the very least, you could have premise history. Have there been other disturbances at this particular address over the past few months? Do they involve weapons? Who did they involve? Are, are, are there people that are known to police that are known to be dangerous? At this residence, are there people who are potentially wanted, uh, perhaps on a felony warrant? What will you encounter? What will you potentially encounter when you walk up to the residence? I, I just think that that sort of knowledge, that, that sort of so, sort of background is so valuable to a law enforcement officer to give them some situational awareness or some context for the call that they're going on to. And, and, and I never had that when, when I was a cop on the street. 
Well, this has been a great conversation, Bill. I really appreciate your time today. I like learning about what you're learning uh, out in the field. I want to thank you for the job you do for the First Responder Network Authority. I think we're lucky to have you on the team. And thanks again for joining the podcast today. Thank you, Dave. I feel so lucky to be on the team, too. What a great set of folks we have here at the FirstNet Authority. Thanks for listening today. We're excited to have you join our podcast community. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. You can learn more about the First Responder Network Authority at FirstNet.gov and learn about FirstNet products and services at FirstNet.com. 